Hi, Kako, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of the Moana Nui podcast. I am your host, Moana, author of the Adventures of Nakoa and Nohea children's book series and editor for the Wildcard Chronicles comic book series. And tonight, I am joined, as always, by the beautiful Dana Morgan. I'm Dana with Danica Vance. Uh, I'm known for my cosplay and con and event photography. A lot of people may know me from being a staff photographer for a lot of conventions like MomoCon, Anime Week in Atlanta, and Dragon Con, and much more. And we look forward to you enjoying our next guest. And let's get ready. <laughs> Alrighty. So tonight we are joined by Javier Cruz Winnick who began his career selling his drawings at Comic-Cons and landed an opportunity to do sketch cards for Upper Deck, which is really cool. Seeing no stories about Puerto Ricans in the school he worked at, he self-published a book called A Reason to Smile, which stars a little Puerto Rican girl from New York City showing the positive side of Puerto Ricans in pop culture. He has since created three books with two more on the way, all that have been funded with the help of our amazing Kickstarter community. And he's also gone on to sell over 3,000 copies all on his own. He has since created stories for Puerto Rico Strong, an anthology published by Lion Forge, as well as Reconstruction by Somos Art and DC Comics. You can find Javier on Instagram and Twitter at The Learning Curve, or check out his website, thecurve.com. So with Further, without further ado, let's bring Javier on. Hola. What up, what up, what up? <laughs> How's it going? Man. It's going well. Still alive, still here, COVID-free. Yes. That's, that's what's <laughs> yes. up. That's the main thing, health health and well-being, for sure. Yeah. For sure. How are awesome. you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Exactly. We're up. I mean, mm. I know I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. See, look at that. That's another reason to smile right there. Exactly. That's yes, absolutely. Totally appreciating all the small things in life. If 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 it's taught us anything, you know, it's it's the hardships that will remind us like there's a lot of things you take for granted. So um yeah, so let's let's find a reason to smile tonight. Um <laughs> let's start with telling us a little bit about yourself, what are your origins and roots. Uh, where did you grow up and how did you find yourself in comics? So I was a fortunate child in being an Air Force brat and lived in a bunch of different places. Uh, while we were in Holland, my father used to take all the VHS tapes and he used to record all of them. Um, so I had like a whole library full of cartoons from Disney, Warner Brothers. Uh, my, while being there, my aunt, she just put a tape in the, in the VCR and hit record. And I've got from 6 a.m. to noon full of Saturday morning cartoons. So I was I was bugging out. I'm like, this is what the world is like. I want more of it. Um, I eventually ended up getting into comics and started like wanting to draw. Like I saw my cousin drawing and he got all this attention and all these people were like, oh my God, it's so cool. This is in fifth grade. And I'm like, I like to draw. I want to draw too. So I just started drawing. And I ended up at a at a boys' club camp during the summertime where we had academics in the morning, we had athletics in the afternoon, and then, you know, the camp activities. 
And one of the teachers was like, yo, this is a job that I do, but it doesn't feel like a job. This feels like fun for me because I love to teach. When you get older, you want to find yourself a job that doesn't feel like work and then make that your career. So I said, I love to draw. I'm going to be an artist. So every day from then, I was practicing. I was drawing on um, just blank sheets of paper. My mother saw my interest, and she brought like a ream of paper from her job. Um, so she started you know, giving me paper. And I had a little folder that I would just carry with me everywhere, family functions, the movie theater, wherever I could be at with paper and, and pencil, I was drawing. And then, you know, I tried to do things with high school and with college, try to build my skill set and my, my ability, because back then there wasn't as many specialized places as there are now. You know, there was LaGuardia, there was art and design here in, the, in New York City. And then there was a few colleges that had art, like, you know, that were geared towards comics. Um, like, I think Ring Wing had something going on there. RISD had something. SCAD had something. And then maybe like one or two more colleges. I think one more in Chicago. But I had to worry about finances. So I ended up going to Lynchburg College in Virginia. Still tried to get into SCAD. Got in as a, as a provisional grad student. Learned some stuff there. And then I said, you know what? It's time for me to go and try to make this thing happen. I didn't realize the, the depths of how hard it is to get into the comic book industry. So um, I had to keep going. So yeah, so I started getting on like the online communities. I, I found DeviantArt, MySpace, and then later Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. And I said, okay, people are going to the conventions and they're spending money there. Let me try it. Let me see if I can do something with that. Started going to um, the Big Apple Con here in, this, in New York City. And it was a wrap from there. It was like, I, I caught the bug and try to, you know, set my table up so that way I could start selling my art and seeing what people were into, seeing what I was into, because I wanted to try to make the two work. I don't want to just do what everybody else was doing, but at the same time, I wanted to make some money. So I eventually, you know, made some cool friends in the industry, a bunch of comic book pros, guys that are doing like real big things in comics. And um, one of them, I, I love to shout him out because it was a really big piece of advice uh, Joe Prado, he was like, yo, we've seen you do all this stuff. Where's your comic? And I was like, what? Joe Prado asked where my comic is? So I kind of bugged out. And if y'all don't know who Joe Prado is, you need to fix that, because Joe Prado is one of the best inkers in the industry, inking over Ivan Reyes with like uh, Green Lantern and then Superman and all kinds of major, major, major DC stuff. Um, so that they threw me for a loop. So that was around 2012, so I started writing my story. And then, like you said, I didn't see Puerto Rican stories in the city uh, and in the schools that I was at. And I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm here in New York. You know, I can, I can draw a story in New York and not make it look like it's, it's a fake New York. You know, I hate seeing stories where it's like, oh, New York City. And then you see the pictures and it's like, that looks like Arkansas. <laughs> why, is that, why did it say that's New York? So I, I was like, I go, out, I go out into the streets and I take pictures and I bring them home. If it don't work, I go out and shoot again. And I use the photo reference to make it look as authentic as possible. Um, started writing my story and realized that, you know, the, there weren't enough stories about little girls back in 2012. And there, weren't, there, were, there were no stories about Puerto Ricans that I knew of. Um, nothing mainstream. The only lat the Latino stories that I knew of was, I think, Dora. That was positive, 
everything else was like either conflicted or compromised somehow. You know, there wasn't anything like real mainstream. Like, I love Carlitos' way. It's a, an amazing movie. Al Pacino's great. But Al Pacino's not Puerto Rican. But he played a Puerto Rican. Um, the story is about Puerto Rican people, but it's about gangsters and drugs and villainy and stuff. Okay, so that's entertaining, but doesn't show us in the, in the best light. So I said, you know what? We're farmers. We're family members. We're, you know, mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, and all that, you know, we need to see that side of life too in our in our stories. So I said, okay, that's what I'm gonna write, and you know, I, I went in that direction. Now I'm three stories deep. Now, what inspired you to create your book, A Reason to Smile? It was all you know. Just there's so many stories where parents don't have a lot of options. Mm. Where it's like, okay, if I if I give this story to my kid. There's mysticism in it. I'm not really into that. I'm a little religious, so I don't really want that. Then you've got the parent that's like, well, you know, my kid is real wholesome and someone just got punched in the face. I don't want to sh expose my kid to that. Then there's stories where it's like, okay, you know, she was a nobody and people didn't like her until she found this ring and then it made her look pretty and then now everybody likes her. I don't want her to rely on something. I want her to find herself. And granted, those, there's a lot of those stories that are amazing. You know, we all have them. We've bought them. We've enjoyed them. But there's a market for people who just want something that's just about them. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? We don't celebrate ourselves enough. When 9-11 happened, um, there was a lot of a lot of emotion and a lot of turmoil that happened because of the landmark, because of the people, because of how it affected everybody's experience in the world. And what I, one of the things that I took from it is we don't celebrate the things that we have right now enough. You know, we do birthdays and we do Christmas and all those, you know, uh, ritual things, ritualistic things, right? Those are great. But, what about like, you know, you're going to, you're going to cry when your favorite musician dies, but you're not going to throw them out there and say, Hey, have you listened to this musician's latest album? I love it. Yes. You know, you're not going to talk about your favorite, you know, uh, movie star when they have a new movie. I say, yo, you got to go see this movie. Cause I love it. Now we're doing that. But back in 2012, I didn't see it enough. So I said, okay, I'm going to be one of those people that is going to do that. I'm going to shout out the things that I like. And, you know, I haven't done the best job of it, but I try to put those vibes out there. Like, yo, if you haven't seen this, go check this out. This is a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, and Marna, you've seen me do that with Kickstarters, with people's stuff, with, uh, you know, fellow creators. I, I try. I don't, I don't do the best job of it, but I try. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to write a story where it's just about us as human beings, you know, I'm going to focus it on a, on a little Puerto Rican girl. Cause you know, we need to have a little Puerto Rican person as the star of a story. That's good. But everybody's going to be in it. You're going to see white people. You're going to see black people. You're going to see Hasidic Jews. You're going to see, um, Sikhs. You're going to see, uh, little boys, little girls. You're going to see animals. You're going to see the kid use her imagination, but still be in the real world. You know, we're going to, we're going to celebrate the things that are in our lives and in our worlds. And, you know, no matter what you go through, you're going to find a reason to smile when you read my books because we all go through pain. Mm -hmm. We all go through struggle. 
But how do we how do we deal with that? If you can find your smile in the midst of all those issues, then you found something good and your day can continue on. Yeah. So that's that's where I, whenever I write my stories, that's my that's my energy and that's my focus. That's amazing. I, I love that it's um, you know, it's it's focused on the Puerto Rican part, but it's also, you know, relevant to everybody and and you know, you're opening it up for for all. So that's that's great. So when you're writing books for children as a younger audience, what are some do's and don'ts that you follow when crafting your stories? So one of the things that helped me write my second book was um, I had parents that would come by the table and say, hey, I don't see this in your story. Do you have plans to write this? Or, uh, you know, they would address particular issues. And I, you know, I had to take heed and say, okay, these are what the people are asking for. These are great ideas or things that people just deal with. I have to take note to this. So one of the things that um, was asked about a lot in 2014 was bullying. Mm. There was a lot of bullying that was going on that people were trying to address and find a way to deal with. So I said, okay, I could find a way to deal with that. I could put that in my story. So listening to your fan base or people that are interested in buying what you have but don't buy it at the time because it doesn't serve their needs, listening to that. And it's not, it's not to say that you have to follow and do what they ask for, but it's to take what they ask for into consideration and say, okay, this is something that I you know, want to look into and see how it fits into my world. So that's definitely a do. Uh, don't be a jerk. Pretend it's your mama that's coming to your table and asking you for something. And if you don't like your mama, find someone you like and pretend it's them. Um, because at the end of the day, we are not self-serving. We are commercial people. We are in the business to make money. And we are in the business of creating a product for people. That's the real, uh, that's the real of it. You know, no matter what anybody says, if you're trying to sell an item, you're, you're trying to make money. So you want to be, you want to be accommodating. You want to, you know, people are asking you for something and if you hear it over and over again, then that means that that's something that you need to look into and figure out how you fit in that circle. Um, so you listen to that, but you don't give the negative responses. You don't uh, respond with negative energy. You don't show disrespect in those in those arenas with regards to how you speak to people, with regards to what you create. Uh, you know, you always have respect for those that are interested in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm servicing kids, parents, grandparents, so I have to make sure when I do my writing, I can't dumb down my writing. I can't yeah. make it an ABC book. You know, unless I'm making an ABC book, you know, if I'm making a, a traditional comic, I need to, you know, show the kids this is what you can aspire to read, like, and what mm -hmm. you can, the stories that are appropriate for you. Um, and while at the same time, if I'm, you know, I want a grandparent to buy the book because I want them to read it, not just the kid. I have to also factor in what their interests are. What are they gonna, what is, what are they gonna gravitate towards? What's gonna hold their interest? What's going to make them want to recommend the book to their friends mm -hmm. and try to serve those things as well. So those are, those are the, those are the immediate things that I can think of. Now um, you mentioned earlier um, that you are a digital artist. Did you illustrate your artwork for your books and what other books and comics can we find your illustrations? So I, when I started doing a reason to smile, 
I also understood that if I was doing like a, like a traditional comic of having a team like a pencil, uh, uh, inker, because I'm a penciler, you know, originally, you can see uh, this is one of my, my portraits up here. Um, thank you. Um, my yeah. wife wants me. My wife wants me to frame it for her because it's her favorite musician. Shit, it's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I, I'm originally a penciler at heart. So if I were to get an inker, then get a, a colorist, and so forth and so on, that's a bunch of steps. It's a bunch of other people to rely on. At the time, I didn't have the money to to commission them, nor did I have the confidence that I could get a return that I wanted mm -hmm. um, because, you know, to find that you have to find a collaborative team that you, that you vibe with for one and two, you create the things you want to create because you can have someone that you're cool with have, you know, do your inks and it's like, well, it's not really the energy that I want or it's too, it's too angular or it's too organic. You know, it's not the right mix or whatever. So I said, okay, you know, I know what I want. I know how, mm -hmm. what, how to get it. I'm just going to do it. And I went through some. I went through some trials. Um, the first thing, of course, was was writing, uh, since I'm a penciler at heart. But what I remembered was that back when I was younger, I used to write poetry, and I used to write hip hop songs. Um, I have three demos that I actually made back in like 2005, 2006, like straight up, like full songs, three uh, three three verses, hooks, everything. Um, and I'm a fan of Slick Rick, you know? So I was like, okay, I got to tell a story. Let's make this a story. Um, so those are the things that, that started everything out. And then what I did initially that I made a mistake in as a, as a self-publisher and not seeing a lot of people self-publish uh, in our realm back in 2012 was I, I did all the artwork and all everything first before I even looked at a printer. And that was a big mistake, because then I was like, okay, well, how do I how do I fit my my budget into the format of the book that I wanted to do? Because originally, a reason a smile was supposed to be a horizontal book. It's now a square book, and that's because uh, I couldn't find a horizontal printer in America, and I wanted to print in America because I was, you know, one of those people that's like, if, if we're going to talk about e economics for the people. And we're sending jobs over to China and to whatever other country. How are we taking care of home? I can't mm -hmm. talk that talk and then not walk that walk. So yeah. I found a printer. I found Ingram, Ingram Spark. And they did square printing. And I said, okay, I can kind of fit my format into square printing. Some of the art might get a little cut off. And I had to do some editing. Um, but then I could add a bar to the excuse me, I can add a bar to the end of the artwork and then that will allow it to have the artwork be, take its center stage like it's supposed to and then have the narrative on the side. So I made my first book that way. When I made my second book, I was like, okay, I'm not making that same mistake again, but I still want to create the second volume in the same format. So what I did was I, I made sure that the left side was always a square format with however many panels, and then the right side have a horizontal format with the, the horizontal bar next to it, and boom. Now I've got a seamless story that doesn't get cut off by the fact that the book opens up. Yeah. So like, it went from like maybe 18 full spreads, 14 to 18 full spreads of a 24, uh, 22 to 24 page story to like only four spreads 
and the rest of it was panel, 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 panel. The only thing I didn't do was uh, I didn't do word balloons because at the time I just wanted to tell it as a narrative. Um, and then a lot of people were like, I like this, but so I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> so everyone was like, if you did this as, as a traditional comic, it would really be nice to see. Okay. All right. And I heard that way too many times to not do it. So that's where the next story is going to be in that direction. It's going to be more of a traditional comic. Uh, it's going to be something that you could put in a bag and board and you could put in your long box uh, for protection and all that. Um, and then when I finally compile the story together, because I'm doing floppies at first, I'm going to do uh, about maybe five or six floppies of an eight-page story. And then I'm going to put them together in a graphic novel format, just like I did with the volume one and volume two, and then do all the bells and whistles with the hardcover like I have now. Um, so I'm still, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the hardcover format, but I've, I've got like a short story. I've got extra art uh, from myself and from other industry veterans. Um, and then I've got a behind the scenes about like how and why I made the story. So you get to see like the character design, you get to see sketches, you get to, you know, get a little more deep inside the story. So I'm gonna do that again with the next book. Uh, once my my board book sells out, then because it's it's a 500 limited edition board book. Once that sells out, I'm gonna do that same format with that. Add some you know behind the scenes stuff, and then give it an option to be the hardcover or softcover for people to take it home as well. Um, so yeah, I do everything myself. Long story short. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love that the, um, you're thinking about you know doing the behind the scenes stuff because. I, I'm always fascinated by the process, you know, and, you know, different people work differently and I just love seeing all the different um, perspectives and things like that. Mm -hmm. It's um, very inspiring. It, it helps you to, you know, see somebody else's point of view that you could then maybe take some, some tricks of the trade and apply to your work and maybe make, make you go faster, enrich your color scheme, help you build more perspective, whatever, you know, that they're doing, you can add that to the mix and, you know, we all learn and grow from the things that we experience. Um, so going along the, the comics route, um, you were a part of the Puerto Rico Strong Anthology, which was published by Slyon uh, George uh, Publishing. Um, and it was an uplifting anthology that addressed identity, individuality, and interdependence. Um, tell us a little bit about the project and how you became a part of that. So I got real lucky with that one because um, they were looking for people. They were on Facebook and they were just looking for people. They were like, you know, if you're Puerto Rican and you're a creator, hit us up. We're looking for you and we want your stories. So I said, where? All right, let me, go, let me talk to them. And I, I hit them up and they were like, yeah, we're looking for anywhere between like four and eight pages, I believe. And this is, I hadn't done any, any stories for anybody else at this at this point. Um, so I was like, yeah, I want to do it. I want to do it. And it was right around the time that I was doing a story also for, um, for reconstruction. Edgardo, um, Miranda Rodriguez, he had reached out to me. He was like, Hey, I'm trying to do a, a anthology about Puerto Rico and I want one of your stories. Are you down? I said, yeah, yeah, let's do this. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, the stories came out right around the same time. The ideas were coming out around the same time. So I was, I was hyped to be able to do both of them. Um, and Edgardo's deadline was quicker. So I was only able to do three pages for his. Uh, 
Um, mm -hmm. But I had, a, I had a little bit more time for Puerto Rico Strong, so I was able to do five pages for that one. And I said, you know, let me tell my story about how, you know, me being a Puerto Rican American, um, we, we have a very different experience being Puerto Rican in the city versus being Puerto Rican on the island because some of us are raised in a very different way. You know, my mother was one of those people who was convinced that assimilation was an easier route because she didn't want she didn't want me to experience the racism that she experienced. She didn't want me to go through the turmoil that she experienced. So she said, you know what, I'm gonna make sure that he knows perfect English. I'm gonna make sure he goes to, you know, the best schools that I can get him into or make sure that I'm behind him at whatever school he's at and he'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, not realizing that it wasn't gonna matter because I'm Puerto Rican and it don't matter. So, you know, she, she, we've talked about it. We've had our, our, you know, conversations about it and she wishes she had done things differently, but, um, that was what I had experienced. So in, in having that experience growing up on fifth street and Avenue C, it was a very, uh, tumultuous situation. You know, there was a lot of drugs. There was a lot of alcohol. There was a lot of lack of options, I should mm -hmm. say. Um, so people were doing things that they shouldn't have done, you know, because they needed to survive or they needed to find a way out. You know, Reagan had taken away a lot of the after-school programs and a lot of the funding in the schools. So, you know, we were left with trying to figure out what to do, you know, when our, our community was being decimated, you know, the, I, I ended up moving into Fish Street and Avenue C in 88. And we were the only project that I know of that had a backyard right which is great right but there was an abandoned school that had burnt down on the other side that a lot of squatters and a lot of drug users were going into so they were throwing their needles instead of keeping their needles over where they were at they threw them into the grassy area mm -hmm. so when we were play we would play around we'd have to dodge the needles so that you know that's that's some of what i grew up in in being in, in new york and in being on fifth street and in, in the in the lower east side a predominantly puerto rican area um, a lot of people were like, yo, he's a white boy. He don't know Spanish. He don't talk like us. Mm. So I had, to, I had dealt with that. So whenever I would hear my friends coming back from Puerto Rico, I always wanted to hear what they went through. You know, they always talked about the quinepas that they would come back with, which are little fruits that are inside these like hard shells. They would talk about, you know, the music that they enjoyed or how much dancing they did or whatever. And I wanted to put all that in my stories. And a friend of mine that I grew up with that I consider my brother, he's the one that helped put me on to like our culture and a lot of what we went through and what brought us to where we're at and put the bug in me to like want to know more about our people. So I kind of did a story that was like a mix of him and everybody else with regards to like me learning about Puerto Rico for the first time or, or wanted to know more about Puerto Rico. And I, I ended up putting that in that story in Puerto Rico Strong to show, you know, there's more to us than what America tells us that we are because we don't learn a lot of what we are in school. And we're a territory. We're part of America. We're citizens when we're born. But you, we don't know about Pedro Abisu Campos. We don't know about Hayuya and how the, there's a son that was made, out, you know, in that area of the island. We don't know about how 
you know, the people have fought for, for revolution and to, to be free for so many years, how our flag was made, why our flag was made. You know, there's yeah. a whole bunch of things that we just don't know, but we learn it from each other. You know, we learn from word of mouth. It's still to this day, like cavemen, we still have stories that we tell and pictures we got we have on walls that we find out about to figure out what our past is because the other side of it too is that Spain destroyed a lot of what we had. That was one of the things that a lot of European countries did is they went into countries that they they conquered and they would destroy the temples, they would destroy the artwork, they would destroy the whatever history was there so the people could forget. So I'm one of those people that's trying to learn, still at 42 years old, still trying to learn who I am, where my people come from. Well, you know, all of that is still arbitrary. It's still, you know, it's not inconsequential, but it's like, it's not solidified. I can't go to a book and say, this is exactly what happened. I can say, this is what has been interpreted, or I can say, this is what they said happened. Yeah. But I don't have history from my people. I don't have Taino caciques that said X, Y, and Z, and it's it's their writing. That's gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, having to learn from people who are piecing that together. Because I'm not I can't learn it myself. I need to know Spanish to then know what Columbus said yeah. to know, you know, certain texts and whatnot. It's a little bit beyond my skill set and my scope. So I then have to learn from other people who are not my who are not my family who are not my friends, you know, I have to get in with them and make them comfortable to be able even to want to tell me something. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of those factors that play into it. So to be a little softer with that, I did a little five page story and said, you know, we don't know because of it, you know, things didn't happen the way they should have happened. Thanks for telling me. Now I'm going to try to find out more on my own. Still on the topic of Puerto Rico Strong, um, in your story, Puerto Rico Strong uh, was entitled Knowledge of Self. And it touched a bit upon seeing your history and your roots through new unclouded lenses. How has knowledge about your own roots changed as you have grown as creator? And how important is it to have your culture reflected in your work? So having that information has allowed me to see where I fit in on various in various sides of the equation instead of being going into situations blindly. Yeah. Because when I was younger, I would wonder why certain things would happen. Mm-hmm. And then as I get older, I'm like, okay, maybe because your hair was too long and that was an issue. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because you have a little bit of a little tinge in the way you speak and the way you say certain words. That's where you come from. Okay, now, how do you handle that? How do you com- how you combat that and make it work for you? Um, and one of the things that's amazing about right now, specifically more than ever, is that culture is being embraced mm-hmm. versus being something that's said to be something of the past. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up in, I remember around like the early '90s, late '80s, um, it was passe to talk about the OJs or you know some of the old school R&B artists. That's old. You got to talk about Public Enemy or you got to talk about mm-hmm. you know Rakim and you got to talk about these new guys. Hip hop you got to talk about. You can't talk about old R&B. That's for the old people. So now that's not the case. 
so knowing my history, knowing some of those some of those songs, knowing some of those artists, knowing artists from Puerto Rico, knowing how Pedro Abisu Campos, who was a you know a revolutionary who fought for Puerto Rico, helped to build the the constitution of Ireland, how international that makes us. Yes. It, it destroys limitations. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue. The reason why I believe we're not taught what we need to be taught is because limits are then imposed on us to keep us in certain places. Mm-hmm. The reason why the, the dropout rate, in my opinion, has gone down from when we were kids is because kids have cell phones in their hands now that they can access information at any point in time. You can't tell yeah. me that this is what it is, and then I have to believe you. I can look mm-hmm. right on my phone. I'm going to type that in Google, see if you write. Yeah. So kids have power now. People have power to investigate and educate themselves in order to be able to move in different directions. So mm-hmm. had I not started focusing on my my culture and on my identity and on my past, I'd be stuck doing the same thing I was doing before and just trying to make it work. But now that I know that I have a certain place in this world, now that I know that I come from a stock that has done X, Y, and Z, I know whenever I have my doubts, whenever I have my struggles, whenever I have my my failings, I can say, okay, my uncle who had AIDS, who would be a bodybuilder when he was strong and be a frail little guy when he was on dialysis, who went back to being a diesel bodybuilder when he was strong again, Mm-hmm. Still died of AIDS, but he was able to do that. I can do that too. Whenever I'm going through my pains, I can say, suck that up and stop being a punk. And it's not about masculine or feminine. It's about being strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about saying, okay, I have an issue and I can fall to it or I can rise above like he did. And that's what our history, that's what our culture, that's what our past, that's what our experiences, mm-hmm. our own and those of our ancestors do for us. They give us that inspiration. They give us that power. They give us that strength to say, you know what? I'm going through struggle, but so did they. And if they were able to deal with it, then I can deal with it too. So part of the proceeds from the book was donated to help victims in Puerto Rico that were affected by Hurricane Maria. Um, Mm -hmm. How were your family and friends affected and how important is it to uplift people in times of crisis? Oh man, it's it's incredibly important. Uh, one thing I wish America did was I think I wish they they equally handled the situations because mm-hmm. you you know when there's flash flooding in the heartland of America, you know there's the National Guard is sent out and there's money spent and they get back to where they were. It didn't happen in New Orleans, mm-hmm. not that not quickly, not mm-hmm. the way it's happened in other places. You know you look at Flint, Michigan, who's still dealing with water issues. You know, Puerto Rico went through Hurricane Maria, which devastated the island. And then a couple years later, earthquakes that started ravaging the island out of nowhere. Where's America been? Where's the, where's the, where's the people that are talking about statehood for America, talking about how great America took care of all those situations? You know what I'm saying? If, if statehood is such a great option, then maybe those things should have happened to bring that, you know, that reality to the forefront and say, hey, these are examples of why you should be a state. Not, yeah. oh, if you were a state, we would have did this for you. No, do that for somebody you love. You know what I'm saying? So when I found out that, because I, I, of course, wanted to sell the book when I knew that I could be a part of Puerto Rico Strong. 
But when I found out that the proceeds were going to go, at the time it was $25,000 that they were going to put towards Puerto Rico. The book sold so well, they're like, we're giving 50000 So, you know, Lion Forge is not Marvel, they're not DC, they're not even Dark Horse. But they, you know, putting thousands of dollars towards the foundation, you know, towards helping people is amazing. You know, especially a country that, that and I call Puerto Rico its own country, uh, especially a country that was going through what it was going through, that has to be commended and that has to be supported. So I wasn't able to donate money. I, w I didn't have any goods to be able to give to Puerto Rico, but I was able to say, hey, go buy this book and this, the people that are making this book will help Puerto Rico. That's, that's my way of contributing. Right. And then the same thing will happen with um, Reconstruction. The main character of that book is called La Borinquena, which is a character that's named after the flag of Puerto Rico. And Edgardo, he uses um, that... The, a lot of the money that's made from that from that book, and he he gives grants to Puerto Ricans, and he goes to grassroots organizations, and he gives them grants. So, it's a it's a thing where, you know, if you could be a part of something that's going to help other people, then you are, you're making history. You know, you're you're affecting change in some way, shape, or form. And you know, you might not be the politician, you might not be the face of it, you might not be you know, the biggest contributor. But if you can contribute to that, then that allows somebody else to then have a better day than they had yesterday. Yeah. And you made that happen. Absolutely. Baby, can you can you pass me my charger? It's over on your left. Sorry. That's it. Sorry. Now, um, you contribute, um, as you mentioned, uh, to the second an anology a series called Reconstruction, along with some of the greats such as Gil Simone, Dennis Cohen, and Rosario Johnson. This analogy highlighted the true power of being a human is inside of each of us. When we come together as united people, we will never be defeated. What are some of the things you have done in your community that you're proud of? So being an illustrator is a very demanding life. Um, so I wish I did more um, with regards to getting out there and like volunteering and being a part of things. Um, the, the most that I've been able to do from my own personal side of things is outside of these books is like being able to like big up certain things, make people aware of them on Facebook, uh, through my social media. So I've tried to do things in that regard. Um, the other side of it is since I don't have a lot of time to do things outside of trying to build my career so that way I can, you know, get myself out of the, the, the space that I'm in now. Cause I'd like to have a house. I'd like to, I'm very jealous of people who have a home, who have a garage, you know, who have a, a who have land. Um, I'm still trying to build myself out of the situation that I'm in, which is not a bad situation, but it's not the, the situation I want to be in. Mm -hmm. And in time to do all that, it takes so much time that what I've done is I've gone back with my career to teaching. Mm -hmm. So that's my way of giving back. That's my way of, of, you know, contributing to the world and to people. You know, I work in an elementary school mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a really great situation where I work for the Uncommon Charter School um, and they service a lot of black and brown kids. You know, we're, we're able to 
do a lot of great things in the community to, you know, teach and to give the proper education to address things that aren't always addressed while still providing rigor and high standards for our scholars. Um, and especially now that I'm getting, I'm working towards getting my certification as a teacher, it's giving me some ideas about, you know, how charter schools are made and what can be done about building that because charter schools are basically, you know, let's say the three of us say, we don't like how schools do X, Y, and Z. We want to build a school that does that. That's a charter school. We just go out there and we build a charter and we make a, a school that does X, Y, and Z. So maybe one day that's where I end up, you know, where I, I help to finance or I help to produce a school that does X, Y, and Z. Because, like, I, I'm very jealous of seeing, like, you know, going to <clears throat> different communities and there's a there's a building dedicated to the arts and education of uh, of these people or those people. And it's like, well, we don't have nothing like that for Puerto Rican people, you know, not, not, not that I know of. You know, we have we have certain centers and we have, you know, different establishments that service our communities, but we don't have anything that's like international that I know. Of. And I say that I know of because I'm sure there's something out there that I haven't done enough research on. But I want something that's like, you know, that's got a network, something that you can go to every city and say, OK, if you want to get Puerto Rican uh, culture and learn about. X, Y, and Z, and you're in Charlotte, you can go find it there. Uh, if you're in Chicago, here's this place. If you're in New Mexico, you can find it here. And that there, and that again is my ignorance of not having done enough research to know where those where you can do that in those places. But I just want it to be something that's like just real mainstream, real big. Maybe one day that's something where that's where I end up. Uh, so how how do you think creatives can break the stereotypes and bring more positive and strong Hispanic and Latinx characters to the forefront? I mean, I think we just have to do we have to just bring different stories out there. My story is a slice of life story. It's not like okay, this is a Puerto Rican story. This is a story that happens to star a Puerto Rican character. So I know for for the mainstream, we just have to start including our characters and in what we are used to seeing. Because a lot of times, oh, that's a Chinese story, that's a Black story, that's a Puerto Rican story. Because oftentimes creators focus so much on getting the culture out there that mm. it's like, okay, that's all it's about. And mm. it's like, well, we don't have to have a million stories about, you know, this or a million stories about that. Um, from what I was told by another creator, uh, there's a lot of, there's so many stories with regards to culture that you don't see enough stories of just character of those. Um, and it's the same things over and over again. It's the food, it's the ceremonies and the traditions. Cool, that's great. We need that out there too. But we also need to be involved in, you know, the story about how you survived COVID or the story about how you met your wife and, and grew a family. Um, the rom-coms, we need, you know, we don't just need Jennifer Lopez and all the rom-coms. Um, <laughs> you know, we need other actors that are out there too. The other side of it too is that we need creators in the writing, on the writing table, in the writing yeah. room, yeah. You know, we need producers that are of various backgrounds. As much as the skepticism is there for Biden, 
that's why I love what he's doing though, because he's putting so many women out there and women of different backgrounds that there's an opportunity now to hear a different voice, to see a different story, to have a different conversation than we've had. We've had the same conversation over and over again for so many different things. It's like, what else are we gonna do? How do we build from this? Well, you listen to other people. Um, one thing that I'm hoping that opens up for myself, um, since I have characters of various backgrounds, I'm doing short stories based on those backgrounds, and I'm trying, I'm not, I'm not so successful, but I'm trying to talk to people from those backgrounds to help me build those stories. Um, and I'm hoping that once those stories come out, I can attract people from those backgrounds and say, hey, let's build. Yeah. You know, maybe you write a story for me now, you know, instead of me writing the story. And that mm -hmm. way I get your voice out there. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the reasons why in the hardcovers of my books, I have an art gallery. Initially, I just wanted it to be pinups of my character and like, hey, look at all these cool artists drawing my character. Um, and then it turned into, let me write a short story inspired by these artworks. And then it became, well, I know some women creators that I can hire. I know some black creators that I can hire. These are my friends. Let's get them out there regardless of whether they, they're high profile or low profile, let's give them some shine mm -hmm. and then continue to build in that direction. At the end of the day, I would love to be a production house and hire people and say, these are the stories or you come up with the stories, let's get them out there. Um, yeah. On um, Instagram, I have a reason to smile books is the space that's dedicated just to a reason to smile. And I would love to have a reason to smile books be the publishing house and say, hey, we want your story to be on a reason to smile books. Tell your story. Because that at the end of the day, that's how we break the stereotypes is we tell the stories. We don't have the stories told for us about us, which is why Puerto Rico Strong was such a huge book, because it's the only book of its kind, again, that I know of, that has over 200 pages filled by over 200 Puerto Rican creators, pencilers, inkers, mm -hmm. um, editors, writers, all Puerto Rican. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's a few people that are not, but you know, they're still family. But like at the end of the day, 90, almost 90 to 99% of the people on Puerto Rico Strong, they're all Puerto Rican uh, and of Puerto Rican background. Yeah. Um, so that's why when you read that book, you have authentic history in there. That's why you have authentic culture in there. That's why you have authentic stories of just day-to-day -day stuff in there because the stories are coming from us, by us, about us. So we just need to continue to propel people that we see that are doing their own things. I think it's named Duwumi. I think mm -hmm. that's how you say his right. name. Mm -hmm. He just got his deal with Dark Horse, yeah. Yeah. which is amazing. The yeah. dude has been, he's been, you know, self-publishing his stories, going through Kickstarter, telling authentic stories, and now he's got a platform. Now, he, yeah. other than his own, because we build our own platforms and we work hard to do that. When you have somebody else that has money that can then put you out there, now your yeah. platform becomes a whole different animal. And that's that's what we need to do is you know prop up each other, mm -hmm. and then so excuse me to support each other when we are beyond where we were. And then those people need to come back and say, hey, come with me, come with me, let's go. So it's all about, you know, that full circle because that trickle down economy, you know, trickle down, what is it, trickle down economy, wow, why can't I speak today? 
trickle down economics doesn't work mm -hmm. unless you actually do it. What legacy do you want to leave? And what do you want readers, particularly our youth, to take away from reading your story? I guess at the end of the day, I just want people to know that I try to make them smile. That I wanted them to find something that made them happy. Because, you know, this world is so full of garbage. Mm, yeah. You know, you hear these stories about how, you know, the people create where aliens want to come and destroy the world or a, a celestial being thinks that the human race is a virus and, oh, but there's the beautiful things. You should see these things. They're so beautiful. Don't destroy Earth. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of trash on this Earth. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we got to continue to find those beautiful things and and not just the things that are passe, not just the easy things, you know, the, the hard things, you know, the, the love that we share with each other, you could be in a relationship for 20 years. It's not it's not an easy relationship, but you work at it. And you, you make it beautiful because you you have that love for each other. You know, you you are in a community that, that is not well kept or doesn't have a you know the proper care for it, but you give it that care and you give it that love. You you smile at your neighbor and you say hello to people and you, you know open the door for people and you lift them up when they fall down and you know you make it beautiful you know yeah. those are the things that i want to i want to be a part of and and i want people to when they say javier cruz win it that's that dude that made me smile yeah. no matter what like i don't even care i'd say i'll say the stupidest joke and but javier killed it but then <laughs> people, they do it silly he's funny you know what i'm saying it's it's it's, yeah. it's all love you know and that's one of the things that I'm trying to work off for myself. Like when I get pissed off at a driver who cut me off and could have damaged my car to make me spend $5,000 to fix it. You know, somebody, you know, is not wearing a mask and they're coughing. I'm like, yo, that person could have killed me. Yeah. Trying to find the love. I say, mm -hmm. you know what? That person could be going through X, Y, and Z. Let me give them some grace. Let me yeah. give myself some grace. Let me stop being so upset at these things because it doesn't do me no good. Right. No good. So let me find that grace. Um, so yeah, that's that's what that's my legacy. I, I hope. I know it's not always easy because I, I try to do that too. But push your button, yo. For real, for real. Like I feel bad for people online because you know I mostly Moana. I wish you were living in New York City so we could like hang out. But like I, I mostly see you in in Facebook, and it's like. If you see like the comments that some people leave on some people's threads, and it's like, yo, that's messed up. Why are they saying that? These yeah. people? And it's like, let's leave that alone. Let's focus over here. Yeah. 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 Don't feed the toxic energy. Because, I mean, that's what they want at the end of the day, right? So, mm -hmm. but it takes so much because sometimes you want fire back, but it's like, what for? It's only going to pull your energy and it, it can be better spent elsewhere. Of course, of course. You know how many how many more stories you can write? How many exactly. more illustrations we can make? How many books we can put into the world? If we don't talk to these yeah. knuckleheads, yo, yo, exactly. you gotta stay over there. Yeah. You feed yeah. you trolls feed you yourselves. We're not gonna feed you no more. Absolutely. Yeah. Alrighty. So well, let's go with the final question. If you could offer one piece of life advice with a ten-year-old Javier, what would you tell him? Listen more. Because as much as you might know and understand, there's so much more. Yeah. 
listen more because I was one of those. My mom propped me up really well. She propped me up real well. She's like, you're the best. You're so smart. You're handsome. You this, you that. And I was like, you know, she's always told me, if you have a question in class, you always ask a question. Don't don't be left confused. Find out what it is. Um, she always told me to advocate for myself. But it was so, it was so, not forceful, but so, it was so reinforced that I didn't learn how to then step back and say, okay, there's more going on than what this person is saying. You know, the, the body language, the energy, the actual words, the metaphors that could be, you know, lined underneath the, the conversation is a whole nother, it could be a whole nother direction that I'm realizing. Yeah. And those are things that I missed out on. I feel like I always learned things a couple years too late. Mm. So like what I was, what I should have learned in high school, I learned in college. What I should have learned in college, I learned by the time I left college. Um, and I think part of that was because I was very hard-headed. You know, I'm still hard-headed. But I think now I've, I've learned to listen more. I've learned to get out of my own way more. And for a 10-year-old me, I would just tell them, you know, just listen. Because people, even, even if people are trying to get you, even if people are trying to hurt you, try to see what you can get from what they're trying to tell you. Right. Find what you can take away from the situation that's positive and hold on to that. That's great advice. I could definitely relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. Listening is one of those skills that's, that is underrated, but so important. I mean, people will tell you everything. Just listen to them. Well, that's awesome advice. Um, I really enjoy talking to you. And, and like you said, like I wish, you know, like many of our creative friends, I wish we all live closer, damn it. Um, yeah, <laughs> right now, you know, and hug and stuff. But, you know, like, like the comic convention is, I feel like it's a lot of my home. Like, hey, I get to go see my friends again. Yay. Mm. Um, so it's been amazing to have you on and just, you know, catch up get to know you behind your, you know, your books and just, you know, find out what makes you tick and, you know, what drives you to keep going. Cause um, being an independent and, you know, self-publishing and doing all the things that we know, you know, all the, the hats that we have to wear, it's, it's, it's hard. So yeah, a lot. Yeah. And I know you have a family, you know, and you got to go eat and everything. So we don't want to hold you up, but we just absolutely want to say thank you again for coming on. Um, folks, if you want to follow Javier, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at The Learning Curve. Check out his books, buy a copy for your your children. You will not regret it. I definitely picked those up for my niece and nephew. And it's one of the top, you know, top books on their bookshelf um, at thecurve.com without the E at the end the curve curv.com um please follow the podcast subscribe to us on youtube follow our facebook page um we just love bringing this content to you uh dana any last words before we sign off no uh just like uh definitely look for him on kickstarter uh support um any upcoming projects for him or any of our um, guests that have anything coming up coming up because in this climate and, of course, with the pandemic, this is the way we can get new material that we are looking for.
that we're not getting from mainstream. So support our our indie and independent um, creators. And so that way we can hear that content, see that content that we desire. Yes, thank you for that reminder. On Kickstarter right now, go and check out Chat and Draw. Chat and Draw by Mike Watson. He is the season yeah. two sponsor for the Moana Nui podcast. So please go out and show mm -hmm. big support. He is another advocate and champion for the independent creator community. Um, and we hope you guys will love his show. He does a, a streaming podcast as well. So please check out Chat and Draw. Yeah, Alrighty, yeah. guys. With that said, please take care of yourself. Be good to each other. Be kind. Smile. Wear your mask. Wear your mask and smile so good that you can see it through your eyes. Yes. Alrighty. <laughs> take care. Be good. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Hey.